Come on now, happy Father's Day, all the dads in the house. This is a day where we celebrate men, where we celebrate fathers, and uh, we, just, we just want you dads to know that we love you, and uh, we appreciate you so much. I think of my own father and the impact he's made on my life. And, and what I recognize is on a day like today, there can be mixed feelings. For some of us, maybe we have great memories of our father. Maybe for others of us, maybe that's a day that has a little bit of pain in there. And regardless of where you find yourself in there, I think like Pastor Dan was admonishing us earlier, is this idea that God is really calling us to look to him as a good father. In fact, there's a song that we sing on a pretty regular basis called, the, you know, you're a good, good father, it's who you are. It's this idea that he is a good father. And so could we just for a minute, you know, before we honor even the dads in the house, can we just honor our heavenly father by just giving him a big hand and just kind of a big shout? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. And then would you just honor all of our fathers in the house? Come on, all the dads in the house, give them a big hand. Now, one of the things that I have recognized in my own life throughout the years is, is I would call myself an extremist dad. Now, what that means is, is that I normally am pretty extreme in my personality and even in kind of my actions. So like for me, if, if Kasha says, man, it's getting cold in here, I'll turn it all the way hot. Like there's no in-between. It's like it goes from hot to cold. If she says that it's too hot in here, I go from hot all the way down to cold. It's like we're going to take one extreme to the other. Uh, I'm normally either all in or I'm not in. It's pretty much the way I am. I'm kind of all in or I'm just not in. If, if I'm working on something, I'm either all in, I'm going to make it happen, like just no matter what, or else I'm just like, forget it, we'll just wait, and it can wait forever. Um, I'm just one of those guys who has that kind of personality, and uh, being that type of a guy, throughout the years, I've been blessed as a homeowner. How many of you, uh, maybe even this week, were blessed as a homeowner? Come on, you've just been blessed by a homeowner. Some of you are like, well, what does that mean? Okay, well, here we go. Uh, as a homeowner, that means you get to fix things in your house. And um, so uh, my daughter's shower and uh, our, in our guest uh, shower wasn't working properly. It would only go to hot. And so what she decided to do is when she would need to take a bath or, or shower or whatever, she couldn't shower because it was scolding hot. So she would fill the bathtub up with hot water, and then she would wait till it cooled down to where she could get in it so she could take a shower. How many of you know that's not very efficient? <laughs> and uh, so I was like, man, that's not good. So um, my mom actually ordered the part, found the part, because she's like, when me and your dad come and stay, we want the shower to be working. I'm like, you're absolutely right. And uh, mowing was great. And so they sent the part, and it was like 10 o'clock at night, and I thought, oh, this will be really quick. I looked online how to replace a moaning valve you know, in a shower. And I was like, oh, this will be easy. You pull on it, it pulls right out. You undo a few screws, pops right out. No big deal. Um, that is when they're new. That's how it works. But when it's as old as the house, and the house is, you know, you know, probably 15, 20 years old, then you know that that sucker is in there, and we got nasty hard water and all that. So I had to work on that for quite some time. And because of my extreme personality, I was like, I am not going to let this thing beat me. Come on, anyone in the house, like, there's, it's not going to beat me. Anyone else? 
Okay, a few of you. Um, and so I was like, it's coming out. And uh, so all of a sudden, then I Googled, what do you do when it's stuck, when the valve is stuck? And there was way more videos on what to do when it's stuck than there was on how to replace it because it was a common thing. And so 10 o'clock I started, and 2 o'clock in the morning I got done. And I had to hand chisel it out and uh, drill it all out. And still, it just, it was, it was literally, I would, I thought if I could break the pieces out that the other sides would just pop out because the pressure would be off. No, they were like, it was like glued in there, it felt like. So finally, I get it all done, get it all accomplished in the morning. And, and so everything is going great. And in my extreme personality, my mind says, no way am I going to hire somebody to do that because I can do that, right? Because as a dad, there are certain things I got to live up to. You know, I got to be like outdoor dad. Uh, I got to be gamer dad. Um, I've got to be, you know, like home professional dad. That's what I was trying to be there. I got to be business professional dad. You know, I got to be able to lead in that way. Um, I got to be just a good father. And in many ways, I put a lot of pressure on myself because I'm this extremist. So I'm either going to be a great dad or I'm just going to be not a dad. And since not being a dad is really an option, um, especially in my line of work, that just doesn't go really well, um, I've decided I'm just going to try to be all in. And in those moments, what I've come to realize is, is that in some ways I do, almost like that video, think it's, it, it, it's like saving the world. And, and I feel this pressure to save the world. When the reality of it is, is the next generation, whether our kids or other people's kids, are really just looking to you and I and saying, will you just be my world? Will you just invest your time and your energy? Will you just give of yourself to empower the next generation? Because if we try to live up to this idea of being super dad, what happens is, is we'll begin comparing and thinking that if we just had what other people have, and this is what happens all the time, we, we look at, oh, well, that guy has all this gear, or that guy has this, or, or that guy has this toy, or this guy has, you know, that camper, or, or that four-wheeler, or, or that boat, or those jet skis, or whatever it may be. We, we begin comparing, and in the comparison trap, we fall right into the trap of thinking that we have to be someone else. So, fellas, hear me out for a minute. Whether you're a dad in the house or not, fellas, listen up. Be the best you. Not anyone else. Don't try to be like someone else. Be the best you. Don't worry about comparing yourself to others. Don't think, well, if I only had this or only had that. No, no, be the best you. And what that means is you've got to trust God and who he called you and created you to be. Some of us are so busy trying to be other people that we're not being who God's called us to be. And if you'd be the best you, then what would happen is, is people around you would begin looking to you and going, wow, look at that guy. Look at how they're living their life. I look at the example that they're living. Because stuff, well, it fades away. Talent comes and goes. For some of us, we're trying to be that person to where we, we think if we could only create more stuff, but really what our kids are looking for, what the next generation is looking for is this commodity that you and I have, and it's the greatest commodity that you and I have, and that is your time. They're looking for you and I to invest our time. 
Because in, in time are the moments that happen. Like, remember when your kid took their first step? Or, or when they took their first, you know, moment where they were reading or you reading a book to them, or, or that first moment where they began walking or, or, or crawling and, and begin exploring and climbing to new heights. And how many of you had kids that were like little, little monkeys going every? See, there's one right there, um, <laughs> running around and everything. Or remember that moment where they were playing a sport for the first time and you were out there and you were like, come on, get him, and you didn't care and you were like, tackle that kid, beat him to the ground. Remember those moments? Am I the only guy that <laughs> said that? Remember, remember when your kids first learned how to pray? Remember when they gave their first speech? I remember the moments when, my, when Gabe gave his first message and I remember that moment of like he was preaching and and just God had laid a word on his heart and he was asking me for help in it and then in the midst of it you're kind of helping him and, and he's like dad let me just be me and it's like yes be you or the moment when Josiah was little and he used to do this thing called the lift dance and every time he did the lift dance he remembers the lift dance um, he would take his shirt off <laughs> Because I don't know what that means, but he'd just take his shirt off and he'd be like, oh yeah, we're going to do the lift dance. And he'd get down and fling his legs up in the air. And it was, it was, it was Michael Jackson worthy. I mean, it was awesome. But I remember those moments. I, I remember moments with Jordan, you know, um, like when she went off to college and Kasha cried for hours and days. And I remember those moments. And uh, how when she came back, I began going, man, my little girl isn't my little girl anymore. She's growing up. Moments. You know, Mark Twain said this about time. He said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant. <laughs> he said, I could hardly stand to be around the old man. But he said, when I turned 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in just seven years. <laughs> So many times in our life, time is the very thing that begins to allow us to grow into the maturity of who God is calling us to be. And time is the most valuable thing you can give to your children. Now, how, how many grandparents do we have in the house? Come on, you're a grandparent in the house. Man, congratulations. Give them a big hand. Give all those grandparents a big hand. successfully or not, if you're a grandparent, your kids are no longer living with you. Come on now. You don't have to support them. Some of you are like, wait a minute. That is not the case. They live with me still. I'm telling you, if your kids are still living with you, talk to another grandparent and be like, how did you get them out? And, uh, and figure that piece out. But, but one of the things about grandparents is this, is you get to spoil our kids and then you get to send them home. And so, like, it's like my, my brother Michael, he, he's Uncle Mike, but when the kids go to Uncle Mike's, they get all the junk food, they get all the craziness stuff, because Uncle Mike's going to treat them that way. When they go with Grandma and Grandpa, it's like, oh, let's go do this. It's funny, my mom will be like, she'll be eating a certain way, she'll be like, oh, we need to go to Spotted Cow. And they'll just all go to Spotted Cow or do different things. Why? Because grandparents love to spoil their kids. Uh, Bill Crosby was talking about this idea of his father who became uh, a grandparent, he said, um, when my, uh, now that my father is a grandfather, he said he can't wait for the times when he can give my kids money. He says, but when I was a kid, I would ask my dad for 50 cents, and what he would do is tell me the story of his life. 
He would tell me how he got up at 5 a.m., walked 23 miles to milk 90 cows. The farmer from whom he worked for had no bucket, so he had to squirt the milk into his little hand and then walk eight miles to the nearest can, also he could get five cents. And the result, Bill Cosby said, was, I never got my 50 cents. He says, now he tells my children every time he comes into the house, well, let's see how much money good old granddad has for his wonderful grandchildren. And he loads them up with money. At that the minute that they take the money out of his hands, I then call my kids over to me. I snatch it away from them because I'm dead and now that's my money. <laughs> but so many times in our lives, what happens is, is in the midst of these moments, we don't enjoy the season that God has given us. So whether you're a father in the house who still has kids at home or whether you're a grandfather and has kids outside of the home or whether you have grandkids or not, you and I, each and every one of us, are investing into the next generation. Now, before all the ladies rule me out and say, hey, you know, this is just a message to the men, it is a primary message to the men, but we can all learn from this. Because this message of investing in the next generation applies to each and every one of us. So look at your neighbor right now and say, this applies to you. Now, when I was a kid, one of the things I loved doing is I loved building fires. And uh, so when I would build a fire, I always wanted to build a fire my way. Remember, I'm an extremist. And so as an extremist, I wanted to put the wood inside of the fire pit. And then I wanted to take some type of accelerant, whether gasoline, kerosene, or lighter fluid. They all had their different challenges as well as interesting moments. And because I was an extremist, my dad would say to me, Brian, that's not how you build a fire. And I would say, but dad, it's so fast, it's so quick. And my dad would say to me, but Brian, the problem is, is when you put an accelerant on it, it burns it up a lot quicker, and you don't get to enjoy it. I think there's some parallels when it comes to parenting the next generation. So whether you're a grandparent, whether you're an aunt or an uncle, whether you have kids of your own or not, whether you're a father or a mother, this message will apply to you because there's parallels that we can get that my dad taught me at a young age that I believe have to do with kind of this idea of, of making a fire and really beginning to, to really put the energy and effort in to actually stoking the fires of the next generation. Because I was the extremist, I, I really did. I wanted to pour gasoline on it. I wanted it to be quick. I wanted it to be instant. I remember one time I uh, lit a match. I put gasoline all over it. I lit a match. And, you know, you kind of stand away from it when you're lighting the match, and boom, and you throw it in. And it looked like the match had gone out, and it didn't catch fire. You know, it didn't go boof right away. And so I was like, oh, man, it needs more gasoline. So I grabbed the gasoline can and went to pour it. And as I began to pour it, I realized, oh, no, there's the match. It's still lit. Boom, boom, boom. It went up into the gas container. Now, the gas container didn't explode. I think the Lord and all those, you know, like hundreds of guardian angels were working overtime. And uh, the end of it, all I remember was the end of the gas can, like, and I was like, oh my goodness. And so I decided, I didn't say this first gathering because I thought that was dumb, but I, I'll say it now. I kicked it. 
which then sent fire all over the place because the gas came out all over the ground and then so then the grass was burning and stuff and and it wasn't good and and um it all i could think of was my dad saying to me brian there's a proper way to build a fire and using accelerant is not a proper way and that moment was kind of running through my mind and i think for many of us in the house today we want the quick experience when it comes to igniting things in the hearts of young people. We want it to be fast, we want it to be quick, we want it to be instant. And what we don't recognize is that many times the things that are fast, that are quick, and that are instant in the lives of a child don't have a lasting impact. They're like a flash. Boom! There we go. And our gen this next generation is used to things coming and things going. As quick as something comes on, it's the hottest, it's the latest, it's the greatest. There's now another hottest and latest and greatest. And what our kids are looking for is the next generation is looking for adults who will actually take the time and make the investment to actually begin to create something inside of them that will go the long haul. Something that won't burn up quickly. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says it this way. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not what? If we don't give up. So, so dads, listen to me. Don't become weary in being a father. For at the proper time, and that's the problem. We, we a lot of times want it now, right? It's like I want it quick, I want it now. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So dads, don't give up. Every other adult in the room, listen, don't give up. Grandfathers, grandmothers, moms, students, kids, don't give up. Because each and every one of us is constantly pouring in to the next generation. Now think about that. Even from a young age, you always have someone who's looking up to you. If you're two years old, there's a one-year-old who's looking up to you. If you're five years old, there's probably a three-year-old who's looking up to you. There's always someone who's looking up to you throughout. Kasha and I love our staff kids, and, and we love really all of the kids here at church, and we kind of live vicariously through our staff kids, and so we're always trying to spoil them and trying to do things for them, and, and we love taking the time with them. Because why? Because we love seeing God begin to just grow them and, and begin seeing just them become who God's called them to be in their identity. And, and man, our kids are unique on all spectrums. And um, when I think about that, I think about there is a time, and so I have to encourage my staff. Kosh and I remember when our kids were young, you get tired. Come on, any preschool parents in the house tired? See, they're not even raising their hands. They're so tired. They're they're sleeping right now. They're like, this is the only time I get to sleep because they're downstairs. Can you be quiet, Pastor Brian? Come on, I just say, don't become weary in doing good for in the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. So my dad would say to me, Brian, he'd say there's, there's a proper way to build a fire and it started with this is that um, you always started with the tinder. Now, a little secret that my dad taught me when I was young, and, uh, and really we talked about this in Royal Rangers, was, was a secret called dryer lint. 
Now listen, this stuff right here, hair and all, burns really, really good. You know how they always say you should keep your dryer, you know, like the, the tube cleaned out? It's because this stuff lights like crazy. And so one of the things my dad always taught me when I was younger is he said, you know, you, you take dry bark. And honestly, the fact that we got dry wood up here is a miracle in Michigan right now. <laughs> it is a miracle. Some, someone has to stop doing a rain dance or something like we, I've never seen it rain so much. Our poor farmers right now, I keep praying for our farmers every day, and it's like, we do not need more rain, God. And then he's just like, make your mind up. You want rain, you don't want rain. We don't need rain right now. But my dad would tell me, he'd say, you know, you, you take this, and what you do is you mix in the dry bark, you mix in the leaves, and you kind of get it all together, and this is your tinder. Now, tinder is something that burns quickly, and you could never make a fire with just tinder. The reason is, is because it, it would just burn up. You could never keep enough material in there to where it would actually not burn up. So we'll take this tinder right here. We'll put it down right inside of here. We'll add a little bit more because we don't want it to get too smoky here later. And, um, and so you got the tinder. Then from the tinder, what you would do is you would go to the kindling. Now, kindling... Is going to be small sticks that are really no bigger than the, than the really the size of a pencil. So if you think about the pencil, you don't want to get anything bigger than that. So if we were to grab some some of that, we would grab this this tinder right here, or I mean this kindling, excuse me, and you would place that kindling inside of there. So we've got we're starting to get the recipe right now for a good fire. We've got the tinder, we got the kindling. And then you would begin adding the fuel wood. The fuel wood is going to be stuff that actually is a little bit larger, but you don't want to go too fast and too much. If I was to go over here, even with having all those right ingredients, and I was to grab this fuel wood, we wouldn't have a good fire. This can't be added to later. And listen, this is exactly how it happens in many of our lives when it comes to parenting or even raising the next generation. We know that if we can place something like this in their lives, per se, what would happen is, is we know it will burn longer. We know it will have a longer effect. And so we want to jump right to this. But if I was to take this and place it in there right now, it would not light. It would begin to smother out exactly what we're trying to do. So what you do is you start with something a little bit smaller. And those smaller sticks you would bring in there, and you would begin to place them kind of over that. You want to allow some air to flow in there. Then you would kind of take these and you would begin to, you could maybe even make kind of like a teepee thing going on right here. If I can do it. It's not really happening. All right, here we go. First gathering, it came together real quick and real easy. This one is being not good. All right, there we go. Oh, I can make a fire! <laughs> so, those are even a little high right there. Really, you'd want something kind of cut down a little bit more so that you could get that. But you could begin adding those pieces inside of there. And then the one thing you always need is you need a match. You need something to be able to light it with 
to be able to get it to really begin to grow and begin to have its stoke. And that really is what the Holy Spirit is all about. Last week we were talking about the Holy Spirit and about how the Holy Spirit is fire and how that fire actually when applied into our lives gives us power. But it says, but you will receive power, Acts 1a, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will go and make disciples. You and I will actually go and do the work of the ministry. And when it comes to empowering the next generation, one of the things that we have to recognize is this, is that God is constantly trying to build in to the next generation. He's constantly trying to stoke the fires of their lives. And so I want to draw just three parallels today from this idea of a fire. And the first is this, is, is tender. Tender is the words that we speak. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can write that down. Tinder is the words we speak. What you and I speak over the next generation can erupt quickly in their hearts. But here's what we know, is we can say things all day long over the next generation, but if we're not adding the next ingredients, then it simply will burn quick and go out quick. If only you speak words over the next generation. If as a father, you're only speaking words over your child of life, then what will happen is, is it'll burn quick and it'll eventually go out. The second thing is this, is kindling, and that is the things we model, how we model it for the next generation. They're, they're looking for more than just words. They're looking for you to add something more to it to begin to stoke that fire and to allow it to grow. See, the tinder actually lights quickly and the purpose of the tinder is to then light the kindling and once the kindling begins lit then that will lead to the the last one which is the fuel wood and this really is the time that you and i invest so your time is the greatest commodity that you have as a father as a grandfather as an adult all of us the greatest commodity you have is your time. Let's look at the first one, this idea of tinder and the words that we speak. So your words can burn quickly. Through speaking life over someone, you can, you can bring about something quickly to happen in their life. But the actions you follow with actually determine what happens with those words. Let your words burn bright and quickly into their hearts and let them bring life, not death. See, for some of us, Maybe we had a father who spoke not words of life over us, but actually spoke words of death. And just as powerful words of life can be, words of death can be just as well. And instead of focusing on the negative, I really want to focus in on the positive, and that is to encourage us to speak words of life over others around us. Proverbs 18, verse 20 says it this way. It actually talks about the power of the tongue being like a fruit. It says, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. Verse 21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Think about that. We have the power of life and death in the words that we speak over the next generation. For some of us, we speak over the next generation, oh, they're nothing, they're lazy, they're this, they're this. We categorize them into all this. Can I just say, stop? Let's speak words of life over them. 
maybe the reason why they're becoming some of those things is because you keep speaking that. Well, I don't want to let you down. Let's speak words of life. Let's be ones who are encouraging. The next generation should be running into the church because the church should be the place where we are speaking words of life. God has a plan. He has a purpose. There's an identity. Let's discover that together. Let's discover who God's called you to be. Let's begin to speak words of life over the next generation. Those words can begin to make an impact on their lives. I I love the story of the prodigal son. And for many reasons, the reason why I love it is is because the prodigal son, just to kind of set the stage, receives the inheritance from his father, goes out, blows it, spends it all on wild living, has nothing, recognizes, man, my dad's servants eat better than me. They're better taken care of. At least I'll go home and I'll just be a servant. But I love the father's response to a son who doesn't deserve it. Because see, some of us, we think our kids have to earn our love. But what the prodigal son, the story of that, the father shows us the importance of speaking words of life. When the father sees the son coming, he says this. He says, bring the best robe and put it on him. He speaks words of life. He's acknowledging honor to his son. His son thinks he deserves nothing. But the father says, your identity is not found in what you do. Your identity is found in whose family you're a part of. And you're my son. And he says it this way. He says, my son has come home. He recognizes that the words that he speaks over his son will have a lasting impact on his son. The words he speaks will either bring life or they'll bring death. Many times the positive words that come out over our kids are only when they're doing things right. And can I just say, I struggle with this. Many times I'll focus in on the negative and, and I'll be one who's like, man, what about this? Come on, can you do this? And can you do this? And, and, I, and I begin focusing on the negatives and Kasha's constantly trying to remind me, Brian, speak life. Speak life, Brian, speak life encourage come on brian speak those words those positive words and sometimes i'm like no like ah why can't they put their clothes up and she's like why can't you put your clothes up because <laughs> i'm the man i work hard every day you should be rubbing my feet when i come home and she's like i work too and i take care of you and your booty I don't know why I said booty, sorry. (laughs) She doesn't say that. Romans 12, 2, it's always good to get back to Scripture. Uh, (laughs) It says, do not change yourselves to be like the people of this world, but be changed within by what? By a new way of thinking. That you and I are called to have a new way way of thinking so how do we do that paul says it this way in ephesians he says take up the helmet of salvation the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and then a few verses later in verse 20 he says for which i am ambassador in bonds that therein i may speak boldly as i ought to speak see paul understood something he understood that his words mattered and that he wanted to be able to speak those words but it came only when he recognized that he had to put on the full armor of god every day come on say dads you got to put on the full armor every day. 
You got to put on that helmet of salvation knowing who you are in Christ. You got to put on that breastplate of righteousness knowing that you've been made righteous before the Lord. You need to take up the gospel shoes of peace so that you're running to moments of peace, not anger. You need to put on the belt of truth and that comes through knowing the word of God which is the sword of the spirit that you take up and you take up the shield of faith because you're in a battle and every day in the midst of that battle you're going to have things that you're going to have to fight for. And it doesn't come easy it comes through a battle. But guess what? You and I win the battle. We're on the winning team. It's like playing dodgeball with that kid who has the really great arm and can get everybody else out. It's like playing with him. You know how he catches the ball, everyone who throws it at him, it's like someone throws the ball and it's way over here. He's got those big old long arms. He's like, he just, it's like, man, what is this guy, Inspector Gadget? You and I are constantly on the winning team. Researchers have discovered this, that where there are five positives for every negative, that kids' lives are filled with more love and more care. I know you may say, well, that just makes sense. Yeah, but think about it. It's five positives to one negative. It takes five to negate the one. Your words matter. Positive words can protect and sustain a child. And our job isn't to test kids in the way like GM or Ford test cars. It's not like I'm going to test them to see where their weaknesses are. It's not like that. We are called to call out of them and to build into them with words of life. See, tinder is words of life. The second thing is this, is kindling. And this is the things that we model. I want you to think about that for a second. Kindling, the things that we model. When Jesus is your source, you model him. When the Holy Spirit is your source, guess what? You model him. When the Father is your source, you model him. You and I model the things that God has placed. The people we're around are the things that we model. It's hard to reproduce something that you aren't. So we always say it this way. We say, show me your five closest friends, I'll show you your future. Let me take it one step further this morning and say this. Show me your five closest friends and I'll show you who your kids are becoming like. Some of you are like, that's scary. But it's true. Because the people that you're hanging around with are models to your kid. Well, I, I just protect my kids from, no, it doesn't work that way. Your kids are watching them. And they're like little goldfish in a fishbowl. They're watching everything around them. And they're learning from everything around them. So the shows you watch, the music you listen to, the people you hang out with are the things that you're modeling for your kids. So you know why Kasha and I primarily just listen to worship music in the house? It's because for us, one, there's great worship music out there. But two, I want my kids connected to models that, though not perfect, are at least trying to live for Jesus. Not perfect. Some of the music that some of us be listening to out here, oh, it's like, why would you want your kid in any way, shape, or form to be like that person? You're like, well, I don't. Then why do you listen to that? Well, I'm an adult. I can handle it. You're still showing your kid who the models are in your life. Man, if Desperate Housewives is your go-to show, 
guess what your daughter will eventually become like? So what do we need to do? We need to model the things that we want reproduced inside of them. So we need to model prayer. We need to model study. We need to model, we need to model wisdom. We need to model trusting in God. We need to model walking out our calling. What does it mean for us to walk out our calling? What does it mean for you to walk out self, self-discipline and self-control in your life? What does it mean for you to model? Your kids are watching you. Whether you're a father, a mother, a grandparent, you're just an adult. Kids are watching you, and they're looking to you, and they're saying, what are you going to kindle? What are you going to stoke up in my life? What are the things that you're going to create that will eventually burn brighter and stronger in my life? Will they be lasting? Because we know the things of this world will come and go. It's not about having all the stuff. It's about modeling what's right. Your kids are watching and they're becoming like you. They're watching how you interact with others. They're watching you and they're repeating you. Ever seen a little kid repeat what mom and dad say and sometimes you're like, "Uh uh-oh. That kid learned it from somewhere. The last is this, is the fuel wood. And this really is this. This is the time that you and I invest. This cannot be rushed. Time can't be rushed either. If I was to say, nope, we're going to add this big log right here, this one's the one that's going in, it would ruin it. It it would smother the whole fire out because I wouldn't be adding it in the proper time. And for so many of us, we want it quick. We want it now. And what we have to understand is an investment of time takes time. It's something that happens over the long haul. I believe that the time we invest is what forms the qualities that shape the next generation for a lifetime. The more time invested, the stronger the next generation becomes. We are forming the next generation by our investment of our time. Time is the one thing that we all start with. We all get 24 hours a day. And you may look at that and that could become you know, discouraging, because like, I, if, I, if I had more time, I would invest more. And I had this thought the other day when I was thinking about time, and one of the thoughts was this, is that if God is an unlimited source, which we know he is, then that means even though I only have 24 hours of time, when I invest my time with the Lord, he will actually and can return back a greater reward and investment of my time just like it happens in finances. There's a principle with tithing. It's, it's 10% that we give to the Lord. We say, God, that's, that's yours. I'm entrusting you with this. And God, I'm asking that you would open up the storehouses, open up the floodgates of blessing upon my life, and that somehow, crazy as it may be, a, a 10% investment actually yields a bigger reward than the, 90, than the, than the whole 100%. Like, I, I, it doesn't make sense, I understand it, but this is when God is an unlimited source, then when we say, God, I'm going to trust you in my finances, then he brings about a bigger and better reward and blessing. And can I just say to all the business owners in the house, just for one moment, if you're a business owner in the house, man, I'm telling you, you need to be tithing. Because if any one person needs to make a better, like a bigger, like I am telling you, and really it's all of us, 
But if I own a business, and I love, I love this idea of business. I, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I read everything on entrepreneur, from Inc. Magazine to Fast Company to Entrepreneur Magazine. Like, I'm constantly reading those resources. I'm reading stuff right now on investment. Like, I'm constantly looking at it. I'm constantly dreaming about new, new uh, ideas for businesses and, and new ideas for things. And honestly, if, I wasn't a, if God had not called me to be a pastor, I would be an entrepreneur. But the one thing that I would do each and every time is I would always invest 10%. So when I came here to Bethany and became the pastor, one of the first things I told the bar, I said, before I come, the one investment change that we have to make is that 10% of the tithe and offering that comes in here at Bethany, 10% has to immediately go into a different fund called Kingdom Builders. I cast the vision with them right up front. I said, I'm not going to come unless we will make that investment financially as a church because we can't ask for God's blessings upon our church if we're not willing to trust God in that as well. So that 10% comes in every month. It's one of the first line items that our bookkeeper does. She takes the 10%, she takes it right off the top, and it goes right into Kingdom Builders. Why? Because we want to model that. Because I believe in that. And so if you're a business owner in the house, really, if you're, if you're a believer, you should be trusting God in this area. And you will see God open up the storehouses of heaven. I believe that. It's the one area that God says, test me. Okay, all that said to say this. If that same principle applies in our finances, I believe that same principle applies in our time. That if we'll give our time to the Lord, like when you get up in the morning and you spend time with the Lord, you're making an investment. And you're saying, God, I, I'm busy. I, I can't get more. See, you can get more money. You can get more stuff. You can get more of all that. But the one thing you can't get more of is time. So that being your greatest commodity when given to the Lord, God being the unlimited source takes that and begins to use what he's given you and multiplies it. Acts 20 verse 35 says it this way, in all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Luke 6 38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will it be put in your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. And I close with this thought. When it comes to the investment of your time, who you know is what you grow. Who you know is what you grow. Man, that's so good. You should write that down. Who you know is what you grow. And the way that you get to know anything or anyone better is by spending more time with them. The more time you spend with the Father, the more time you'll then grow others into becoming more like the Father. It's the words, the tinder, that we're putting in to the fire of the next generation. It's the kindling that we model for the next generation that when put in, begins to allow it to burn even brighter. But those first two, without the investment of time, will never go the long haul. It's interesting, the fire that I built up here is more like a, a teepee style, and they, they say that this style of fire will burn quickly and won't really have as long-lasting. But they said if you 
the actual, one of the best fires for a long acting fire to build is actually a pyramid where everything is reversed. Where you start with the foundation being the fuel, that's the time, like really investing a lot of time into it. And then you begin to model it. You put the kindling in on the next layer and you begin allowing that kindling to build on top and you're modeling for them. And then the top, which is really the smallest amount, is then the tender. And that's the words. Some of us need to have a pyramid flip moment where we stop building into others like this and we flip it around. And we invest our time in the next generation. And we model for the next generation. And we speak words of life over the next generation. See, this Father's Day is about recognizing that God is the unlimited source. He has everything you need to be the best father that you could be. And listen, I recognize in the house today there are some single moms who are like, hey, what about me? I got to play the role of mom. Can I just say, you be the best mom. And I know and I understand that in some ways it's like, wait a minute, Pastor Brian, I got to play the role as father. No, 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 let God play the role as father. Be you. Be who God's called you to be. Be that prayer warrior. Be that support. Be that one who's constantly speaking words of life. Be that one who's constantly modeling. Be that one who's constantly investing of your time. Right now, that fire sits dormant. But if I was to take these matches and I was to take one of these matches and just light it up, and I was to take this and add it to that kindling down there, we'd have a full-blown fire. And I wonder how many of us today need to allow the Holy Spirit to light something in your life. Because see, if it really boils down to us modeling for our young people and speaking words of life over our young people and, and investing time, we ourselves have got to have an experience with the Holy Spirit. We ourselves have got to say, God, would you ignite something inside of me? And the word picture the Lord gave me the first gathering was this idea of asking the Holy Spirit to ignite something in our lives that would consume all of the things inside of us that are not good and burn brighter in the areas of our lives that he's calling us to be. Our identity, our calling, our purpose, that he would allow those things to burn brighter and stoke those things inside of us. But the things that are not of him, that he would burn those things up. So I want to pray for you this morning. You can bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Father, I pray across this room right now. I believe, God, that you're calling us to stoke the fires of the next generation. To add that tender through the words that we speak. To add the kindling to that fire through the model that we live. To add that fuel wood through, through the time that we invest. Father, I pray that today you would challenge us to do that. God, that you would challenge us to go deeper with you. And now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would ignite something inside of us. 
that you would light the flame inside of our hearts and our lives. Begin to draw us to a deeper place with you. Holy Spirit, begin to, to convict. Begin to, to begin to just move inside of us right now, each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would have your way in this place. And maybe today you'd sit here in this room and you would find yourself far from God. Maybe you're a father. Maybe you're a mother. And you're sitting here and you're tired and you've been trying to figure out how you could do things on your own. And God today is reaching down to you and he's saying, listen, you don't have to do this on your own. He's saying to every adult in this room, you do not have to do this on your own. If you'll allow me to begin to stoke something inside of you, not only will I come into you, not only will I dwell with you, not only will we have a relationship, but what I will do is I'll begin to consume the areas of your life and I'll begin to, to help you and I'll begin to reform and I'll begin to just begin to form you into who I called and created you to be. That thing called sin that disobedience has kept you separated from God for far too long and the Holy Spirit is coming down and saying, listen, I desire to do something inside of your life through a simple surrendering of saying, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Change me. So if you're here in this room today and you would say, you know what, that's me. That's where I need to start. Then right now in this moment, normally I'd ask you to raise your hand, but right now I'm just going to ask you right now, wherever you are in this room, to just ask the Lord this one simple thing. Would you just say, Jesus, will you forgive me? Would you change my life? Would you help me? I can't do this on my own. I need you. Father, I believe that you are hearing the prayers of your people, your sons and your daughters who are surrendering to you. Father, I pray for all the fathers in the house. They will rise to be the leaders that you've called them to be. Men, rise up. God has called you. He has equipped you. He has placed you upon his path and he is leading and guiding and directing you. And he says, listen, men, rise up. Rise up. This isn't time to fall back to the back of the line. This is time to lead. This is the time to take ground. This is the time to be who I've called you to be. This is the time to allow your life to be that of like a stoking fire, to be a, a, a moment of tinder in the lives of a young person, to speak words of life over them. Come on, man. It's time to rise up. It's time to model, to be the kindling of the lives of the next generation, to model what it means to be a man of God, to model what it means to be a father of God, Come on, men, rise up. It's time for you to invest in your time, to not stop being so busy with all the things of this world, but actually to give of your time, to trust God, to invest it into your family, to invest it into your marriage, to invest it into your workplace, but also to invest it into your relationship with the Lord because what you're modeling, what you're speaking, your children and the next generation is becoming. And so, Father, I pray that men would rise up be who you've called them to be. Holy Spirit, ignite the flame inside of our hearts today. In Jesus' name, everyone would say, amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys.